Hey nerds, welcome to another episode of the Irreverent Nerds podcast. This week we're going to be talking about The Abyss. This is a 1989 American science fiction film written and directed by James Cameron and starring Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth Monstrantonio, and Michael Bean. Plot synopsis. When an American submarine sinks in the Caribbean, a U.S. search and recovery team works with an oil platform crew racing against Soviet vessels to recover the boat. Deep in the ocean, they encounter something unexpected. <laughs> so stay tuned for more coming up on The Irreverent Nerds. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds. Nerds, nerdettes, and assorted nerd persons, we are here to talk about the abyss. And no, I'm not talking about the abyss in your soul. I'm talking about the 1989 movie, The Abyss, by James Cameron. Otherwise known as The Abuse. The Abuse. Abuse, Abuse, Abuse. <laughs> the Abuse, or Life's Abyss and Then You Dive, or Sons of Abyss. <laughs> These are, these are all t-shirts, apparently, that were made by the cast and crew during the filming of The Abyss, which was a very, very painful, very difficult production shoot for many, many reasons. Filmed not too far from where we're at, actually, uh, down in South Carolina, yeah. inside of a nuclear power plant. I don't know what the right term is. I'm, I'm going to call it smokestack, but I know there's another name for it. Um, but yeah, just those giant giant things they fill that sucker up with water like on the simpsons like on this <laughs> yeah like legit like that that size but then filled imagine that filled up with water mr burns is over there being like excellent <laughs> smithers fill it up with water but mr burns that will be dangerous <laughs> do, it. do it anyway smithers my good friend James Cameron wants it. <laughs> this is right. I'm funding this project. You will do what I say. But, Mr. Burns, you don't pay me anyway. Shh, don't tell anyone that, Smithers. They'll all want to come work for free. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're a little more relaxed and having fun, believe it or not, even though we, we ourselves have had some production issues. <laughs> I'm going crazy. <laughs> Will, Will's computer hates us. It does not, or it hates Zoom. It at least hates Zoom. <laughs> it does not like to yes. con connect properly to Zoom. Uh, it does not like to connect to the internet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you have a hard line on that sucker? Yes. Ethernet oh. cable, but it's Dang. just, I don't know what the problem is. Just some, some days it just doesn't want to load any web pages or anything. Kick that sucker. Be like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My Get your act Preston, together. My friend Preston and Phil are supposed to help me build a computer in the next year, but it just depends on if the funds are there. So we'll see. Nice. Nice. That sounds like fun. I've, I've never tried that. Someday. Someday then. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it'll be better than this one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
So in in reflecting there for a minute on my internally on my Scottish intro, which kind of went Australian there briefly as well. <laughs> um, I was I and then you mentioned the Simpsons, so my brain connected it to um what's the name of the the janitor on the Simpsons, the Scottish janitor? Winnie. Winnie? Wait, what? Winnie? Winnie. Winnie? Willie. Willie. Uh Willie. Willie. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Love the Simpsons. We we still need to do an episode on that. Yeah, we do. We do, we do. We should we should pick a specific episode to do and just like have fun with it. I think that would be that would be great. All right, so let's dive into the plot here of The Abyss. So, in January 1994, the U.S. Ohio-class submarine USS Montana has an encounter with an unidentified submerged object and sinks near the Cayman Trough. With Soviet ships moving in to try to salvage the sub and a hurricane moving over the area, the U.S. government sends a SEAL team to Deep Core, a privately owned experimental underwater drilling platform near the Cayman Trough, to use as a base of operations. The platform's designer, Dr. Lindsay Brigman, played by Mary Elizabeth Monstrantonio, insists on going along with the SEAL team, even though her estranged husband, Virgil Bud Brigman, played by Ed Harris, is the current foreman. During the initial investigation of the Montana, a power cut in the team's submersibles leads to Lindsay seeing a strange light circling the sub, which she later calls a non-terrestrial intelligence, or NTI. Lieutenant Hiram Coffey, played by Michael Bean, the SEAL team leader, is, uh, by the way, Hiram Coffey, not Michael Bean. He's not a SEAL team leader, <laughs> as far as I know. Um is ordered to accelerate their mission and takes one of the mini subs without deep course permission to recover a trident missile warhead from the Montana just as the storm hits above, leaving the crew unable to disconnect from their surface support ship in time. The cable crane is torn from the ship and falls into the trench, dragging the deep core to the edge before it stops. The rig is partially flooded, killing several crew members and damaging its power systems. And it's my turn. Yes. The crew waits out the storm so they can restore communications and be rescued. As they struggle against the cold, they find the NTIs have formed an animated column of water to explore the rig, which they equate to an alien version of a remotely operated vehicle. That's an ROV, Wilson. Though they treat it with curiosity, coffee is agitated and cuts it in half by closing a pressure bulkhead on it, causing it to retreat. Realizing that Coffee is suffering paranoia from high-pressure nervous syndrome, the crew spies on him through an ROV, finding him and another SEAL aiming the arming, arming the warhead to attack the NTIs. Neat, neat, neat word, NTIs. To try and stop him, Bud fights Coffee, but Coffee escapes in a mini-sub with a prime warhead. Bud and Lindsay give chase in the other sub, damaging both. Coffee is able to launch the warhead into the trench. But his sub drifts over the edge and implodes from the pressure, killing him. Bud's mini sub is inoperable and taking on water. With only one functional diving suit, Lindsay opts to enter deep hypothermia and trigger her mammalian diving reflex when the ocean's cold water engulfs her. Bud swims back to the platform with her body. There, he and the crew use a defibrillator and administer CPR. They are able to revive her. 
it is decided that the warhead needs to be disarmed, which is more than two miles below them. One seal, Ensign Monk Adam Nelson, that is the actor Adam Nelson, helps Bud use an experimental diving suit equipped with the liquid breathing apparatus to survive to that depth, though he will only be able to communicate through a keypad on the suit. Bud begins his dive, assisted by Lindsay's voice to keep him coherent against the effects of the mounting pressure and reaches the warhead. Monk guides him in successfully disarming it. With little oxygen left in the system, Bud explains he knew it was a one-way trip and tells Lindsay he loves her. As he waits for death, an NTI approaches Bud, takes his hand, and guides him to a massive alien city in the trench. Inside, the NTIs create an atmospheric pocket for Bud, allowing him to breathe normally. The NTIs then play back Bud's message to his wife, and they look at each other with understanding. On Deep Core, the crew is waiting for rescue when they see a message from Bud that he met some friends and warns them to hold on. The base shakes, and lights from the trench herald the arrival of the alien ship. It rises to the ocean's surface with Deep Core and several of the surface ships run aground on its hull. The crew of Deep Core exit the platform, surprised they are not dead from the sudden decompression. They see Bud walking out of the alien ship, and Lindsay races to hug him. Notes on the special edition, which uh, we have both viewed. Yes. Uh, in this extended version, the events in the film are played against a backdrop of conflict between the United States and the Soviet Union. With the potential for all-out war, <clears throat> the sinking of the Montana additionally fuels the aggression. There is more conflict between Bud and Lindsay in regard to their former relationship. The primary addition is the ending. When Bud is taken to the alien ship, they start by showing him images of war and aggression from news sources around the globe. The aliens then create massive mega-tsunamis that threaten the world's coasts, but stop them short before they hit. Bud asks why they spared the humans, and they show Bud his message to Lindsay. You know, when you really think about it, the mega tsunamis probably wouldn't have been able to go all the way inland. Well, I guess it depends. If if they're artificially created, you know, by some power source, then it could be that they could just keep pushing the water and pushing the water. True. Uh, as opposed to, I guess, a naturally occurring tsunami. But yeah, because they do eventually uh, dissipate and then go back to previous levels. But, but yeah, I did actually get a chance um, uh, to watch the ending there, like the final 10 minutes where Ed is having the more extended conversation with the NTIs. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, uh, what would you think of the ending? I know we're going backwards here, but what would you think of the ending um, with the special edition? Well, um I watched the special edition because I heard online that people thought it was the better version of the two. Uh, the disc you let me borrow, of course, had both versions on it. Um, I really liked the ending. Um, I heard that it wasn't used in the original because James Cameron didn't like how the tsunami special effects turned out. I don't know if they actually did new effects or not, but they look good to me. I think there was also a um, an order from from above, uh, from what I heard from you know the studio heads, like, "Hey, this movie's way too long. You, oh, you need right. to." I think, I think, 
regardless, they they cut out a lot because of the length. I think it had part, something to do with it as well. So basically, almost the entire Soviet subplot yeah. was, cut, was cut out in the theatrical version. Well, I know that uh, people of above James Cameron's head, the people funding this thing, were like, "Hey, get this thing out there already." <laughs> yeah, like he was over budget, which is also typical for for James Cameron, and uh, and. And I think it got pushed from a, a July release date to a December release date uh, because, again, because of the shooting itself taking longer, but then also post-production taking longer because James is a definitely a perfectionist, which, yep. you know, I think something, uh, and this is kind of in preparation for this, you and I, I think, I don't know if you caught this as well, but um, watched a video from uh, Joe Blow Entertainment on YouTube. And they talk about the film. Uh, you should check it out, by the way. It's called WTF Happened to the Abyss. Which, by the way, if you try to find it streaming, it is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. <laughs> we I could, couldn't find it at all. Yeah, Will was going to watch it streaming. I was going to watch my DVD copy, and I couldn't find it. So he had to he had to borrow mine uh, so that we could get this viewed, which this was your first viewing of the film, Will. Yeah. so. This is cool. So you you caught up with a a cool movie uh, from the eighties. Uh, oh, yeah. had, had you did you know much about it before before seeing it? No. While while trying to find it on streaming, one of the things I tried was I tried to rent it on YouTube, but I couldn't find it even on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, so unfortunately, my first exposure to this film was seeing random clips, um, and, and behind the scenes stuff so because of that you know i i came into this film expecting it to not be as good as it, it really is it's good it's a good movie it's uh i definitely can't tell by watching it that there were so many problems on set but uh i really enjoyed it um and one thing i hadn't mentioned yet uh <laughs> because like i think you mentioned earlier richard that We've gone, yeah, we did mention it. We've gone through so much trouble ourselves just trying to make this podcast. One thing I didn't mention in any of our previous uh, failed recordings tonight was that the ending of this film was really difficult for me to watch with uh, the, um, spoiler alert, this is an 80s movie. (laughs) Yeah, if you haven't seen it by now. Yeah, but, you know, if you haven't seen it, genuinely and you don't want to be spoiled skip this <laughs> yeah well actually we already said it in the plot so never mind but oh. um i forgot but the uh the wife she drowns they resuscitate her but she drowns and then they think the husband uh bud he's gonna die until we get the surprise the aliens rescue him um uh, i like suffer from a phobia of death and exist existentialism so Oh, who doesn't, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know too many people that aren't aren't uh scared of death, which I, I feel like a healthy there's a there's healthy and unhealthy fears of, of death. Yeah. But everybody should have at least a little bit, right? You know. I've um, had uh I looked that up today. Thanatosphobia apparently. Uh, uh is that fear of Thanos? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Complete with the that was oh i just think of uh, was it star lord first time it's like i'm gonna 
I'm gonna punch that nutsack of a chin or something like that. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to rewatch that now. <laughs> By the way, uh, side note: um, Guardians of the Galaxy have a holiday special they released on Disney Plus yeah, recently. Did you see it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was it was very cool. good, and it had some big reveals actually for the characters that I, I think it's probably paving the way for the upcoming movie. Uh, which I I believe will be James Gunn's final entry in the MCU. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, like he's moving over to DC, which you know those of us who love DC are excited about that. I think his first entry, well, his second entry because he did Suicide Squad, but I believe his second DC entry is going to be Blue Beetle, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, um, I didn't know that Blue Beetle was a thing. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw just a little not a not a preview, but like a promotional ad for it i was like oh okay okay anyway that's a side note (laughs) well james gunn can move to wherever he wants to i am completely tired of marvel and dc in general so they can just fight each other to oblivion i don't (laughs) (laughs) no no i'm sure i'll still enjoy a few future films of course i'll force myself to watch every single one but Oh yeah, and and at the end of the day, it's like the the world building. I mean, it's probably one of the reasons why the comics are still popular after all these years. Like they they build the worlds, and then then they they reboot storylines and and put in different details and tweak it. You know, so there's so much flexibility that they've built into the system, so to speak. Um, so I imagine that's one of the reasons why the characters are still popular after decades and decades of of being around. Um. Now I will say I am excited about the upcoming Ant-Man movie. Um like that looks really cool. I'm I'm excited about them going Oh yeah, yeah. Like into the uh oh dang. It. Okay, I am excited about that. Yeah, that that looks that looks pretty cool, I think. I just haven't really been into the latest phase of the MCU that much. I mean, I watch it on all the shows on Disney Plus, but it's just all over the place and varies and we're, we're supposed to be talking about the abyss yeah so we're off we to, we're, very, to we're very off very off topic here i was about to talk ask you about she-hulk but we should probably not do that <laughs> uh, yeah no no we can save that for another time um yeah so yeah i think something i wanted to mention is like i i've long had a a fascination with the deep ocean i i think I think a big part of that is the mystery of, you know, we, I think last, last estimate I heard, it's like over 90% of it has yet to be explored, you know, the ocean itself. So like, who knows what's down there, you know, legitimately, like there, there could be like an alien species living down there that we just haven't detected yet, who are more advanced than us and and can prevent us from detecting them. Who knows, you know? Um, You know what I think exists down there? What's that? death <laughs> the ocean the ocean scares the crap out of me <laughs> oh man the mystery the mystery oh my goodness the crap out of me. i don't yeah. want to get in the ocean i'm afraid i'm gonna get bitten by jaws or something <laughs> oh yeah yeah because it's it's like it's so especially right we're out in the open ocean it's so deep like anything could come up and you're like yeah it's just it, it is it is scary to me i don't know that i would want to go too far into it i, I love watching films about it like one of my favorite documentaries is aliens in the deep also done by james cameron he, oh yeah oh. 
Aziz like legit like he doesn't just push the envelope uh in Mickey movies like he also pushes it personally uh, like he himself has gone down to the bottom of I believe is the Mariana Trench if I'm not mistaken um cool. like he's gone very deep like um that was the second documentary he did but a, a first one Aliens in the Deep you know they they went on an expedition uh went I believe at least three or four thousand feet down um down to where there is chemosynthesis chemosynthesis <laughs> occurring and it's just really amazing like you have these these vents like superheated water basically it's, it's like a steam vent from underneath the earth's crust more or less you know it's letting off steam from there so like right within the plume of superheated water it's like 700 degrees fahrenheit but then you go just a little outside of that plume and it's like below freezing because it's so cold down there or at least near freezing and there's these creatures that are just amazing there's these tiny little shrimp and they can swim in and out quickly of the 700 degree fahrenheit to like freezing and without batting an eye and down there the life that that exists down there lives completely without the sunlight there's no that ecosystem down there depends on on chemicals not bet, on not on energy from the sun i bet those shrimp are hard to fry <laughs> could be i don't know um but it's just an entirely different ecosystem down there the bio the biosphere if you will under the ocean especially the deep ocean when you get get past where the sunlight can reach you know just where where the energy comes from for life to exist. It's not dependent on the sun at all, which one of the things that that documentary explores. And again, off topic, relevant, but off topic is, is the possibility of say life existing on uh, specifically, they talk about the possibility of existing on Europa, which is one of Jupiter's moons. Um, Scientists believe um, at least at the time of the documentary. And I believe this is still the case. They believe it's an ice moon that might possibly have, you know oceans underneath um so there's there's been talk over the years of, of, of an expedition eventually going there and trying to get down into the oceans to see if there might be some chemosynthetic life down there oh, who, oh, who knows oh. um pretty cool but anyway like this the deep ocean and, and like the mystery behind it is, is fascinating me not enough necessarily to go and explore it myself but I, I do love watching documentaries about those who have explored it and movies that that deal with the mystery uh this being one of them you know and and i think the fact that they encounter ntis down there is is, is pretty cool like I, I like that i like that twist um myself what does that stand for again non-terrestrial uh, what, what now what was it non-terrestrial oh intelligence right intelligence yeah that yeah. sounds right mm-hmm So should we talk about some of the problems that occurred? Yeah, the production, the production, the (laughs) production. Now we're recording. (laughs) Oh man, we we finally got Zoom to work, although it wasn't fully working. Like Will's audio was working and we thought we had recorded like, we were like 15 minutes in and then I realized that it was was paused. (laughs) Oh, that's good. It felt like a lot longer. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, ah, and it had taken us like 30 minutes just to get the dang thing working and up to that point so we're like are you i think it that, took that was a like an hour to get my pr- computer to work was it really it could be yeah 
practice. Like I said, it hates us. Um, <laughs> that was a practice run, though. So I, I feel like the hopefully the finished product will be better because we yeah. had, we had some practice. Uh, rehearsal. We'll call it. A, we'll call. We'll call it a rehearsal. That's what we'll call it. But yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the the difficulties in production. Uh, like, what are what are some things that stuck out to you and what you learned about that? Lots of drowning. Lots of almost drowning. Yeah. Everybody almost drowned. They drowned. He drowned. I'm being silly because we've already talked about this one time. <laughs> yeah. Was it so, Ed, Har- Ed Harris almost drowned? He won't even talk about it. His time on this film. He oh, really? So much. Oh, like now? Now he won't talk about it now. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know he did back he then. Talked, he obviously talked about it. Uh, about that. What happened to him on his, on his drive back to the hotel? If you want to give that story, but I hear tell that he won't talk about his time on this film. Otherwise, hmm. I wonder if that's part of the reason it's no longer available on streaming. It's like everybody who worked on it hates it. <laughs> Even Maybe James not the fin- Cameron hates it. <laughs> not like the finish. Not like the finished product, but like the the memories from yeah all the hardships. Yeah, because like the the underwater sequences of the film were shot at a unit of the Gaffney Studios, just situated south of Cherokee Falls, outside of Gaffney, yeah. South Carolina. Which uh, I've actually driven past Gaffney. Uh, one of the things they're known for is a oh. giant peach on the side of the highway. If you ever go uh... down, like I believe it's in between Charlotte and Spartanburg, if I'm not mistaken. I think I've seen Gaffney. it. And yeah, it's it's kind of awkward too. It's like because the side that's facing the road looks like a giant peach butt, <laughs> with, complete with cheeks and then uh... some kind of, you know, I think it's a release valve, but it's it's very conspicuous release valve down at the uh... the bottom of the the crack. <laughs> I didn't see the release valve, but I did think driving down to Walt Disney once or twice, I did, did tell my wife, hey, look, it's mooning us. <laughs> Saw the pe- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they actually are, are um, renovating it to maybe change some of that. But um, but apparently this power plant had been abandoned by Duke Power, uh, who um, oh, really? we, get, we get power from. Um, but I guess they cover South Carolina as well. Apparently they had spent like $700 million constructing the Cherokee nuclear power plant uh, and then abandoned it. Uh, which kind of sucks. It's a lot of wasted money, it seems like. Um, but yeah, they they used um they used that to become basically these giant tanks. And and I know for the the main one, um, uh, site A, I think they actually built like a an artificial rock face. And they're like when you see Ed Harris, you know, getting pulled down, like they're yeah, they um were pulling him sideways along the rock face, but like thing was massive so that you know they were yes yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty crazy like and it was obviously it was deep enough that people had to depressurize if they spent too much time down at the bottom of the tank and when they were pulling him he was holding his breath because it was liquid in his helmet as well right i don't know if it's in that part but but definitely one of the scenes yeah yeah in, instead of having him breathe in the the oxygenated liquid um that you can actually apparently breathe as a human, um, they just filled his helmet with water <laughs> while he was underwater. And really? I obviously, heard it. they did I really heard it. short takes, I think. Right. But, um, and they had divers around, you know, with 
with breathers and stuff, you know, for him. But but still, that had to be that'd be freaking scary. Like I I wouldn't do it. I'd be like, hell no, well, man. Like I'm not that committed to making an amazing movie. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna it, not gonna yeah. die for this. It is an amazing movie, but from everything I heard about what the actors had to go through in post-production, I mean, they didn't even use stunt doubles, but I I think I wouldn't do it. I'd be like, y'all crazy. (laughs) I'm not going to risk my life for this. Yes, it was a grueling shoot, too. They had like six days, 70-hour weeks, you know, pretty isolated, um... Mary Elizabeth Monster Antonio had a physical and emotional breakdown on the set. Ed Harris had a breakdown, like you mentioned earlier, on the way home after nearly drowning. And uh, oh yeah, Cameron himself admitted, "quote I knew this was going to be a hard shoot, but even I had no idea just how hard. I don't ever want to go through this again." <laughs> I mean, James Cameron almost drowned himself. Yeah, yeah, he nearly drowned, and uh, he had two two workers made made mistakes like one forgot to remind him to refill his air and then another in trying to help him almost drowned him on while he was on his way up he had to punch the guy in the face <laughs> in order to to save himself so yeah that's but yeah the dude the dude is relentless though like he he went through and finished the film oh and, yeah uh, yeah and like i said i mean he's pushed the envelope and i think even though he's hard to work with, even with studio heads, like he's very, very committed to his vision. He's uncompromising, but they put up with it because dude knows how to make money. I mean, you know, Titanic oh, yeah. made what $2.1 billion. It was the highest grossing film of all time up until it got defeated by Avatar, also a camera. <laughs> film. And that was undefeated for almost 10 years until Avengers, uh, I believe it was Endgame defeated it. And, um, and you know we'll we'll see how uh, Avatar: Way of Water does. Uh, I don't know if it'll be able to beat its its initial, like the original Avatar. I don't know if it'll get up to that level, but we'll see. Because um, that one was like it was so it was new, you know, and now it's like it's just a continuation of the storyline. So I have a hard time imagining it would it would exceed two point eight billion, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it does. Uh, I'm looking forward to it regardless. I think it's gonna it's gonna be enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, me too. Back to the uh, back to the abyss. <laughs> back to the abuse. <laughs> well, I can certainly see how this film would have prepared James Cameron for other films in which he used water. I mean, like uh, on the Titanic when all that water comes pouring in. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I imagine uh, he learned a few things about safety for the actors and oh, just how to, how, to, how to set things up. And um, yeah, I imagine imagine he did, and then uh, you know he eventually went on expeditions himself. Uh, I believe he went with Robert Ballard to go down and explore the Titanic, and they eventually did a documentary together called "Ghost cool. of the Abyss," I think in two thousand three, I believe, uh, where they explored the Titanic, and um, and then obviously the the uh, aliens in the deep. You know, he goes on that expedition with scientists and. Um, they went down quite deep and and then he he actually ran a team uh, uh i believe i have this documentary myself um he ran a team that built a sub like designed and built a sub cool. um themselves and then took that down Let's see if i can remember the name of it 
deep sea challenge james cameron's deep sea challenge so like so yeah the sub went down super deep it was a one-man sub and james cameron piloted it himself um so yeah he's he's pretty hardcore he's like like he pushed people hard i mean and obviously if, if you know you're going to be driving the thing yourself down to the bottom of the ocean you want to make damn sure that it's done <laughs> built well <laughs> have we talked about terminator 2 yet on this recording uh i'm not sure <laughs> yeah we're gonna mix, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna mix up here. well um they uh ilm did uh the, the water effect really james cameron had them push the uh the envelope there and uh, that water effect they did with the uh, water tentacle really helped in uh, Terminator 2 later down the road. Yeah, like with the the CGI, you know, the the um, uh, the Terminator, well, the Terminator in the Terminator 2. And uh, I know he has a name, I can't think of it right now. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, he was liquid metal, basically. Still looks good to this day, honestly. Yeah. Both 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 films. And I think part of that is like obviously it wasn't simple at the time, but the the relative simplicity, you know, is part of what I think enabled it to, to look so good. And honestly, some of the CGI from that time, like Jurassic Park, for instance, to me the CGI still looks good. It still looks better than some of the crap that people just throw out today and like they do it too quickly and they don't put really put effort into it. Jurassic Park still holds up, in, in my opinion, even the CGI. Oh, yeah. They put so much work into that. And, you know, they were, like, inventing technology to create it. So, yeah, that that part of this is cool. But I, I do, getting back to the ending that we talked about, like, yeah, I, I do like that. Now, the, the, the remedy that the aliens propose in a sense of like, hey, we're going to wipe out the human race because you guys are too violent. I was like, okay, well, that's great. You know, violence with violence. Because they wouldn't have just wiped out... Of this. They wouldn't have just wiped out the humans. They would have also wiped out all the other living animals on, on the planet. Um, you know, which to me, that's like very cruel. Um, so like, were they, were they bluffing? Uh, yeah, it begs the question. Like, were they bluffing and intending to stop all along or yeah so that's that's a good question to consider or maybe they were just concerned the nuclear war would uh, reach them could be although <clears throat> they're advanced enough i don't think that would be much of a threat anytime soon but but yeah maybe they were looking further into the future of like hey if this these the species is starting to to go into space so we don't want them eventually coming for us So, um, here's something I found interesting. Uh, it took them so long to film uh, after they filled uh, one of these nuclear smokestacks with water that algae started growing in it. So then they had to dump bleach chlorine in it. Oh, yeah. So when they actually did film, everybody's hair started turning green and white and falling out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, chemical burns and everything. Mm. 
Well, good friends, if you want to see this film, <laughs> you might be shit out of luck. Um, actually, I'm looking... we, we, we know where you can make dollar coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you happen to live in Winston-Salem, McKay's has a a uh, it's a three-pack, Alien, Aliens, and The Abyss. Okay, never mind. Amazon has it for sale. You can order the special edition DVD for $15.38. There's only eight left in stock, though, so you got to hurry. I don't know if it's ever been released on Blu-ray. doesn't look like it. So, yeah, it looks like DVD is the only option at this point. Maybe someday they'll remaster it. But, uh, so, yeah, if you want to catch it, buy it now. Buy it now. I heard this thing was out of print. Yeah, maybe that's why there's only eight left in stock. Yeah. So yeah, you better y'all better hurry. We want to get a copy. And it's worth it. It's a it's a really good movie. Yeah, it is. Oh dang, Actually. you can you can get the VHS tape from Amazon. Nine dollars wow. and forty eight cents. <laughs> well, there's an option. There you go. If you, if you still have a but you can probably get it from a, a um oh wait, never mind, it's temporarily out of stock. Wouldn't that be indefinitely out of stock? Like, they would, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They literally have. I guess they literally have to get it from someone else. Yeah, it looks like the copy might come in, or it might not. <laughs> looks like the two. Looks like two thousand two was the last time they released it on VHS back in the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could always hunt in a uh, what you call it a uh, thrift store. It's like you never know what you run across. I'd like to crunch places. the numbers on the uh, possibility that could happen, though. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, check out the abyss, and uh, if you can, <laughs> if not, just uh, <laughs> you know, listen to our podcast. Um, in fact, do that either way. You know, and obviously, if you're listening now, then you're hearing this, so you have listened. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, nerds. So uh, next week we're going to continue our james cameron series with a review of avatar so look forward to that and then we will finish up our james cameron series on december 21st i believe it is uh so whatever that wednesday is of that week with a review of avatar the way of water so until next time sayonara sayonara live long and prosper i'm batman he's bad might Together we're the bad nerds. Bad nerds. Smithers, who are these irreverent nerds? Well, sir, they're the hosts of this podcast. What's a podcast? Well, sir, it's kind of like a radio show. Ah, I see. Like The Shadow or CBS News. Yes, sir. Hmm. I think we should buy it. Uh, I don't think it's for sale, sir. Poppycock, I just bought Twitter. I can buy this podcast. Alright, sir. I'll talk to them and see what they say. Excellent.
Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at irreverent underscore nerds, plural. We are on Facebook. Our fan page is simply called The Irreverent Nerds. We're on YouTube, The Irreverent Nerd. And if you go to anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, you can support us for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. You can also send us a voice message, which we may include in a future episode. Fellow nerds, until next time, make it so. Engage. Avengers Assemble! I am Batman.